Yeah, the message. I'm getting back to a series that I started two weeks ago, not realising that we had a guest speaker and someone else on the roster the week after. So we've got to try and rewind. If you were here two weeks ago, three weeks ago, three weeks ago, you'll remember we started a series on just Jesus. Just Jesus. And uh, so I want to return to that today. And I want you to think about you and Jesus. I'm thinking about me and Jesus and, and the one thing about Jesus is whenever you encounter him, things change. <laughs> you notice that? God loves you just the way you are, but he's determined not to leave you there. And the fact is, it's always changed for the better. But who recognizes it's not always changed for the comfortable? It's always changed for the better. I mean, ultimately, if you let God have his way in you, you will look back and go, thank goodness I let God have his way in me. But boy, oh boy, that journey is not always easy. And I think that's why we so, sometimes, we so naturally resist it. Come on, I've got anyone here with me willing to be honest enough to say, there's been a few times where I really knew God was speaking to my heart and I really knew what God wanted, but I ran the other direction. Anyone pulled a Jonah? I think we all have. We've all done that. There's something in us that just doesn't want to let go and fully trust. And it's, it's always the internal issue. It's always a wrestle of the heart. Have you noticed that? When you encounter Jesus, there's always the wrestle of the heart. And, uh, and so this series is based around, and we'll move into the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to move through Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. And, um, and just looking at Jesus and and, and as we do, probably the prelude to what we would call the Sermon of the Mount is a thing called the Beatitudes. That's not a Bible term. It's just a handle that we've put on a certain passage of Scripture where Jesus repeatedly uses the word blessed. Blessed is the one who. Blessed is the one who. Blessed is the one who. And he pronounces these blessings over certain heart attitudes more than anything. Not so much go out and do this, but actually be this. Be this and you will be blessed. And so that's what this series is, is about. And next week we'll finish the last three Beatitudes. So I've got three again today. If you haven't heard that first message, I think it's worth going and having a look. Mainly because these hard attitudes are really the foundational spirit that we need to have for Pretty well everything else Jesus teaches, not just in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. That's one group of four major groups of Jesus' teaching that we find in the Gospel of Matthew. But when I look at the Beatitudes, they really are these blessings, which is simply where we get that word from. I do want to actually introduce that properly. It translates, Beatitudes translates literally to happy and rich, these blessings. It's the foundation for embracing everything else that Jesus taught. Have you ever been confused by believers who seem to believe the right stuff, but you can't really receive it from them? Because there's a different spirit about it. It's like, I know you're quoting the Bible at me, but I'm not sure that's the way Jesus would quote it. 
And I think this is what Jesus is getting at. You can be so right in what you believe and so wrong with the attitude of your heart at the same time that the message of Christ gets all twisted and bent out of shape as it comes out and you only need to watch YouTube for a while to see that. And so Jesus comes to our hearts and challenges us to put a filter on our hearts so that we can actually see the kingdom of God and we can see God for who he really is. And, you know, when I preach this, as I preach it, and certainly as I was was preparing these messages, um, it's actually difficult to preach because I find myself so regularly coming up short. I'm listening to what Jesus is saying and one part of me is like, no, that can't be right. Surely you don't expect that, Lord. Or actually I just sort of think, man, that is just not me all the time. And so it's actually been quite transformational even looking at this afresh. And I think it's because there is a spirit of the age in our world, the spirit of our world around us, and it is determined to push us into its mould. And it promises life. It promises to be life-giving. This is where life is. It's in the accumulation of things. It's in having endless fun. It's in doing this and doing that and having the best holiday or whatever. I don't begrudge any of that, but there's a spirit of the world that's trying to tell us this is what it means to be fully alive and to be fully human. And I tell you the truth, I don't believe it. When we've got a world where dogs have more rights in cafes than an unborn child has in a human womb, I get the feeling that our world gets it wrong. And we actually really, really need to listen to Jesus and put his filters on our heart. So here we go. I'm going to read a little bit of context here, as I did last week. I'm going to read full passages of scripture. I'm going to read them quickly, then zero in on what we want to speak about today. Matthew chapter 4 provides a context for Matthew chapter 5. And it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues. They, They were basically the meeting houses for prayer and reading of scripture. He was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And news about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed and he healed them. Then large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, so that was the 10 cities, literally. So we're talking a lot of people, Galilee, Jerusalem, Judea and the region across the Jordan followed him. Chapter 5. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. 
For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus pronounced these blessings, blessed, 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 blessed. And the Greek word for blessed is literally uh, makarios. It means happy and rich of soul. Original language, happy and rich of soul. First beatitude we're going to look at. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You know, whenever we talk of hunger and thirst, I think straight away we're talking passion, aren't we? And we talk when we hunger and thirst for something, it's sort of it's what drives you. Who's ever been really hungry, really thirsty? It tends to drive you, doesn't it? And in a sense, I think what Jesus is saying is when righteousness drives you, that's an incredible blessing. We can be driven by all kinds of things. We've already just talked about the spirit of our world and the spirit of this age. It's trying to drive us in particular ways, generally to sell things. When we're driven by the right stuff, it's an incredible blessing. If we look at the word righteousness, the broad meaning is literally the quality of being morally right. But actually, I think from a biblical perspective, it's a lot broader than that. I think Christianity, it hasn't helped our Christianity that we've moralized everything down. I think God calls us up to something so much higher. I think ultimately righteousness to God is when everything is put right. When everything is the way it was meant to be. Not knocked out of kilter by sin and death and shame and all the other things that have entered our world. But when it actually comes back to being, this is now right. It's not just a moral standard. It's something so much bigger than that. This is now the way God wants things to be. And Jesus says, when that is the motivating factor of your heart, it's not just, it's not as simple as I just, righteousness is not doing the wrong thing. That's such a shallow and short way of looking at it. As a matter of fact, that just leads to self-righteousness because if you can tick those boxes, you start to feel more highly of yourself than you ought. And if you mess up by that standard, Instead of actually walking before God and allowing him to transform you, you will hide in fear and shame, just like Adam and Eve did. So there's no winners in seeing righteousness as some sort of moral standard. It is so much bigger than that. It is when the world is right. That's why Jesus said, pray this way, that thy will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, because when that happens, righteousness reigns. The world will be put right. Once again, it'll be as it should be. Our good friend uh, Shane Willard talks about the whiplash factor. Has anyone heard any of that teaching? But he often says that, like, if we're living one way here on earth and think that we're going to have fun in heaven in some future life, don't be shocked if you get to what you perceived as heaven and you don't like it because it's unfamiliar. But when we long for things to be the way God wanted them to be, then even perish the thought, tomorrow you get hit by a bus, then you've set a trajectory that you gleefully step into and it's even better than you imagined. 
It's just more of the same. This was the trajectory of, me, trajectory of my life. But who knows? You can actually, you can be in church. You can be doing all the Christian stuff and whatnot. But actually your trajectory and your living is like that. You're not looking for what God's going to do. You're looking for what you get. And when that intersects with God's will be done, that would be a painful experience. Whether you've confessed Jesus as Lord or not, it'll be the same painful experience of this is not what I thought it was I think this is why Jesus saying you're blessed if you set that trajectory now of longing for this world to be what God created it to be for me as an individual for me to be the person God always created me to be when I'm longing for that Jesus said that will be fulfilled and it will be fulfilled He is coming back and he will set all things right. So that will happen. The question is, is whether we'll be familiar with it, comfortable with it, or or actually whether we'll be dreading the day that God puts things back the way they were meant to be. And I think this is why Jesus said, it is such a blessing. You set your heart, you'd be driven by the right motives, the desire to see the world the way uh, that God sees it, the desire to see people the way God sees them. Then you're setting yourself on a trajectory that will be filled. You will be satisfied if that's your motivation. We could paraphrase that verse this way. Blessed are those who passionately long for the world to be put right, for they will be satisfied. So are you longing for that day or secretly dreading it? (laughs) Now, I need to pick someone that I know is longing for the day. (laughs) Pete, can I ask you a question? Because he's an honest man. And it'd be tough to be honest at a moment like this. Do you long for an end to injustice and pain that we see in our world where people are used, treated like a commodity? Do you long for a day where that changes? Absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt. No doubt. Well, Jesus says you're blessed, man. I want to pronounce a blessing. You'll be happy. You'll be rich of soul. If you long for a day where all that changes, you're blessed because you will see it. It will happen. Blessed are the merciful. Are you doing okay? It's okay, Pete. You can put your heart back in your pocket now. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Uh, the Greek, original Greek word for mercy is literally actively compassionate. That's, that's the meaning, to be actively compassionate. I could define it this way further. If you define mercy as empathy plus compassion, often resulting in forgiveness. Empathy is the ability to share the feelings of another. We have a saying for that. It's like, put yourself in someone else's boots. That's empathy. And you add in compassion, which is a sympathetic concern for the needs of another. And you have what mercy is. To be able to feel what someone else is feeling and to be moved towards them to make a difference in that situation. Mercy. 
And I really, really believe we reap what we sow, and that's why Jesus is saying, be merciful. Those who demonstrate mercy will receive mercy. And likewise, those who have received great mercy should show great mercy. Mercy is shown in forgiveness, kindness, compassion towards others. It's an extension of our life. It can't ever just be a feeling. At some point, we've got to build a bridge. We've got to cross the river to bring reconciliation, to reach out and love, even when someone's overtaken in a trespass, even when we've been wrong. Think about the model. Think about the example of Jesus Christ. Wronged by us, so he takes the fall. Isn't that the gospel? Come on, come on, we're the guilty party here. He's the innocent party, and yet he's the one who does everything he can to build a bridge back for the sake of reconciliation. And sometimes we harbor things in our heart, and we can't let something go. But that person hurt me. I've got no doubt. I'm not saying they didn't. Jesus isn't saying that bad things don't happen to good people. The question becomes, what do we do with that? Are we able to be a reflection of our creator who emptied himself, made himself nothing, reached out, absorbed the wrath, the pain from humanity to show that God was not the one with the issue? And he asks us to respond, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. You will experience it again and again and again. We could paraphrase it this way. Blessed are those who emphasize, oh sorry, empathize and forgive others. For they shall be understood and forgiven themselves. <laughs> Anyone here ever felt like, gee, I'm being so misunderstood right now? No one? Just me. Oh my goodness. I just must be a confusing person to people. Hey, we've all felt the burn. Oh, but they just don't understand. They don't don't know what I really meant. They, They don't see my motives. I feel so misunderstood. And probably judged because of it. And Jesus is like, you know what? You you practice mercy. You you develop the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes and empathize with them in a way that brings reconciliation and forgiveness. And that will be your experience. Have you ever been really mad with someone? Someone really mess up. But you know that they're a really kind person, generally. And it's really hard to be mad with them. Have you ever been really frustrated because you actually couldn't get mad with someone, even though they gave you every reason to? (laughs) Someone who practices mercy and lives that way, it's really, really hard to hold something against them when you know that that's just not their spirit. That's not what they would do. And Jesus said, you'll be... You'll be blessed if you can do that. Sarah, sitting on the front row this morning. Are you willing to hear and understand the other side of the story before you make a judgment? Is forgiveness something you're determined to practice? It's tough though, eh? Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Give this girl tissues. Um, it is. It's not easy. <laughs> Sorry. She's not crying, she's laughing. It's not an easy thing. But Jesus said, you know what? You'll be blessed if you do. So I'd say to you, Sarah, that's a blessing. 
That determination is a blessing. You'll be happy. You'll be rich of soul because of it. He's doing okay? Last one for today. You enjoying the series so far? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Of course, pure in heart really speaks to motives, to those things within us that are just deeper than what people see. What truly motivates us at the seat of decision, the pure in heart. Whether we're fair, whether we love justice or not, whether we're self-seeking or or self-sacrificial, all of those things come back down to our very deepest wiring in our heart. The interesting thing is here is that Jesus actually links that to seeing God clearly. And and I'd say, quote, unquote, it's no one's seen God at any time other than Jesus walking the earth. And Jesus says this, like, you will see God. It's like what he's saying is purity brings clarity. We're just heading into spring. Has anyone noticed how dirty their windows are after winter? You know, the spiders are out and nesting and all of that. And it's like, oh my goodness, I've had the blinds pulled in that room for the last four or five months. And you open it up and it's like, better get to cleaning the windows. A clean window brings clarity. Sin always leads to confusion. Have you noticed that? Let's just be honest. Can we talk about that when we mess up? Um, I'll give an example. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but has anyone here ever told a lie? Only about half of us. Well, that's pretty good. I think that's pretty good. You know, <laughs> you know we've got a saying in our society, hey, and it's, it's an old one. You might remember it. Some of us will remember it. Oh, what a tangled web we weave when we practice to deceive. Have you ever noticed that one lie leads to another? Then it leads to another. And then you start forgetting. You get that far down the track if you're going to perpetrate the deception. You get far, that far down the track, you forget the first few lies you told. I, I think that's why police interviews tend to go over a few days. Because <laughs> you'll only actually remember what did happen. And, uh, and that sort of, that's an indicator of sin just brings confusion and it darkens our lens. It dirties our window. I think this is why Jesus is saying, if you go back to your core being, what really is motivating you, when you keep that pure, you'll see God. You'll actually see all everything. Ultimately, God is ultimate reality. We realize that because everything's within him. Everything came out of him. Everything's sustained by him. Everything's in him. So ultimately, he's holding it all together. And Jesus said, you'll see it. I don't think we just see God as in his character and nature and who he is. I think we actually see the world for what it really is. We begin to see other people for who they really are. We could paraphrase it this way. Blessed are those, and I stop and listen to this because I put some thought into it. I was very proud of what I came up with. (laughs) Because I really do think it captures it. Blessed are those who recognize God sees every motive of their heart and so have determined to live a transparent life. 
This transparency is the window, window through which they can see God. The cleaner the window, the clearer the image. It's one of the reasons in our life groups we encourage a practice of keeping our hearts free, keeping our hearts clean. Life group leaders, if you're here, I hope occasionally, just encourage everyone. Hey, how long is it since you just stopped and thought about what's tumbling around in here? Have you ever noticed how life, you just get going down the track and before you realise it, you can really not be taking any notice of what's going on in here. All kinds of things can build up. Greed, offence, lust, all kinds of human things can start to build up. But just stopping for a moment and saying, Lord, is there anything going on in here that's displeasing to you, that you want to speak to me about, that you want me to address? Just doing that is like cleaning the window and we all need to be good window washers because ultimately it's how we see God for who he really is. It's how we understand who he really is. I'm going to read a verse from 1 John chapter 3. The Apostle John puts it so well. And I'm just about finished. Just about to wrap up. But he says, Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be in the future has not been or has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. It's a beautiful passage, isn't it? It's like John's saying, you know, we we don't really know what the future holds, but we do know this, that we're going to see Jesus again. And when we do, the transformation that's happening now will be made complete. We will be just like him. Wow. All the other stuff cut away. Paul puts it this way. Let every man be careful how he builds. Some build with wood, hay and stubble and some with precious, gold, with precious stones and gold, etc. But it's all going to be tested through the fire. The only thing that remains is that which is precious. And it's an exhortation. Come on. Don't wait to see Jesus if you have this hope of seeing Jesus, determine to live like him now. Determine to think like him now. Determine to see the world the way he sees the world. Determine to see your neighbor, your workmate, your spouse, the way that Jesus would see them if he was in the room. And that transformation process accelerates. I think it does. All of these things that we're talking about today they are all part of this transformative process by which we become familiar with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not out there somewhere. It's not down the road. It's not happening in some church that's doing it better. Jesus said, don't run here and there looking for it. It's within you. It's happening right, it's happening right now in this place. I reckon as I've talked about Jesus... And all of this is Jesus saying, just clean the window. Get in step. 
act and respond the way that God has already responded to you. And you'll be no stranger to God. You'll know who He is. You'll see Him for who He is. You'll hunger and thirst for what He wants to do in the earth. And you'll be in step with Him. So a couple of questions that might help us if we just ask ourselves these. Actually, just before I move, I've got to find someone to apply this last point. So I'm going to pick on a whole big group of people down there at Warwick. This is a tough one. That's why I'm giving it to you guys because I know you can handle it. Do you ever question your own motives? Then submit them to Christ. That's simple. Do you ever question your own motives and then submit them to Christ? And I know that you do. And Jesus would say, well, you're blessed. You're blessed. You'll be happy. You'll be rich of soul because you do that. And isn't that beautiful? Those blessings. Aren't those beautiful blessings? Come on, aren't we excited to be a little bit like Jesus? A little bit more like Jesus? And we could ask ourselves these questions. When I look at the state of our world, do I ever long for things to be put right and for humanity to finally be at peace? That's just a real godly thing to be. Like, man, I look at our world and I don't want to put it down too much. I think God is at work in our world and I think there's lots of beauty in our world. There's also things that need to change. And so the question becomes when I look at the world, is there a longing in my heart for it to be the way God wants it to be? Another question is how good am I at putting myself in another's shoes and showing them the same mercy that I would like to receive? It's a good one for us to take home with us, isn't it? And maybe some of us right now, you know, you you might be thinking, man, You don't know what's happened, and that's true, I don't. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what's been done or said or whatever. I don't know that. All I know is that the only way you get freedom from it is this. It's a blessing to be merciful. And being merciful and forgiving does not mean that you condone the actions of others. You're not saying they were right or what they did was right. You're not saying any of that. What you're saying is, I release you from my need to judge you. And I'm going to let it go. Not an easy thing to do, but a very powerful thing to do and a really Christ-like thing to do. Am I aware of my own motives when I think about life, make decisions and interact with others? In other words, is Christ my integrity waypoint? Or am I just barreling through life and I really don't give a thought to what's happening behind me, what I'm creating as I go? Or am I actually stopping as I move through life and going, Jesus, what would you have me do? It's a big decision. This decision might affect others. Ultimately, Lord, what would you have me do? And that's called purity of heart. I'm going to Get us to stand. We're going to pray. And I'm just wondering, I'm going to do something a bit different today, but I'm just wondering if I could get, there he is, 
could I get you to pray for us, Mark? I've just seen Mark walk before Jesus for, I don't know how long we've been together in this place, mate. 30-something years around in each other's world. Could you just pray for us about applying some of these principles to our life? Father, we just thank you for these Beatitudes, Lord, and how powerful they are in our lives. And Lord, I just pray for everybody hearing this message this morning, Lord, would apply them in their own lives and knowing that you're hearing their words and that that you'll be blessing them, that they'll be blessed. We just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for letting me put you on the spot, mate. Now, just before we close, you know, you might be here today and maybe you've never, you've never come to a point of actually f- deciding to follow Jesus. And I do think it's a very clear decision we make when we decide to actually unhitch ourselves from our own self-rule. We recognise that there is someone bigger than us. And we come to Jesus as a saviour saying, you know, I don't have all the answers and I'm not totally in control I want you to have the reins of my life. Take the steering wheel in a sense. And every service at New Hope, we give the opportunity for this. So right here in the room, down there at Warwick, if you're with us online, you have an opportunity right now. If you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, every encounter with Jesus changes you. It's not always comfortable, but it's always for the best. God only has good in store for you, friend. And if you're at that point where you think, yep, I'm on that journey and I think now is the moment, then I want to give you that opportunity. So could we bow our heads one more time? And just wherever you are, down at Warwick, even in your lounge room, right here in the room, if, if that's you and you want to take that big step towards Jesus this morning, would you just raise your hand right where you are? God bless you, mate. That's awesome. You can put it down again. Yep, God bless you guys. I see you over here in the back row. Others, come on, just a few more moments. Anyone else? Yep, God bless you. That is wonderful. Yep, I see you up here. God bless you. Just one more moment. What a precious moment. What a precious opportunity. Just to surrender to Jesus. Down there at Warwick, Come on, if that's you, just right where, you're, right where you're standing now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for people just opening their hearts, taking that big step toward you. We pray you'd meet them right now in these moments. Make yourself so real to them. Let the power and presence of your Holy Spirit come upon them. And as they step out into the rest of the week, we pray you would know their presence, their provision as they walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen.